Books can take us around the world. They can take us to the intimate spaces of human experiences, and they can help us grow through their words. Stay tuned for People of the Book with Janice Leibovitz. Good morning, everybody, and I am back. Welcome back, everyone, to 2020. And I know many people started work this week, and many who didn't will be back next week in the full swing of things. And those who aren't will soon get a rude shock when schools go back next week. I know that for me, um, it was very nice while the roads were nice and quiet, but already traffic is busy. And I know next week it will only get busier when routine sets in, schools, morning traffic, extramurals, and It'll be like the holidays never happened. I know for many people, um, books, labeling, school uniforms, all of that. And I'm going to chat more later about school books because I discovered a very interesting thing um, while I was doing an online search for some school books. And I'm going to be chatting about set works. I know it's a touchy subject for many, especially the actual learners themselves I know for me at my age I still call them pupils um, I know the the accepted term these days is learners but um, and I know that I've mentioned before that by nature whatever is prescribed reading for schools our kids generally just land up disliking and I've noticed that a lot of the books that are prescribed reading, and I don't know what schools they are for, I don't know what ages they're for. A lot of them are, are books that some of us may have actually liked in our younger years. And I'm quite disappointed because I feel that a lot of them as prescribed reading will land up being books that, that our children will land up really not liking. And I feel that if they were given them at a later stage or at a, at a different age and stage of their lives, they, they may actually grow to love these books. And when they're forced to read them, as they generally are at school, you, you generally don't like what you are forced to read. But more about that later, as I said. How did your holiday reading go? I'd love to hear from you. Remember, I mean, I don't know whether if you've forgotten over the last couple of weeks not hearing from me. I'd love to hear from you. Um, you can always email me books at highfm.com. You can SMS me on 34519. You can contact me on Telegram 0618 Really, there's no excuse. I'd love to hear from you. Lots of ways to get hold of me. How was your holiday reading? I must be honest, uh, mine was not as great as I expected. I didn't get through as much as I had planned to read. Um, didn't really read as much as I thought I would. I don't know what I was actually doing. Uh, not, not, not reading, clearly. I did read a couple of books, not that I didn't read at all, but not, not what I had planned to get through. The top read of my holidays was without a doubt Daisy Jones and the Six. And I know that I've mentioned it on the show before, and I'm going to come back to you after the ad break and tell you all about it. I love it. This is People of the Book with Janice Leibovitz. So as I was saying before, Daisy Jones and the Six was most definitely my 
top holiday read. And I'd heard a lot about it beforehand. I know I'd mentioned it on the show before. It was one of the top books, top of the bestseller lists for 2019. I'd heard so much about it. And I bought it and intended to read it on holiday. And it was one of the books I did actually get to. And I, I just, I devoured it. And it's one of those books that you just race through and then wish that you had taken more time to actually read it because you just enjoy it so much. It's, it's a triumph of a book. It really is. It's inspired. It's written in the form of a transcript, like an interview. Um, I don't know if, if any of you remember Rolling Stone magazine. I know they did discontinue it. It was really a classic magazine that anyone who was into that golden age of music used to wait for that to come out. I know in South Africa, we, we actually got the magazine later than the rest of the world. And, um, it was, it was the magazine to get if you were really into the music industry, not just into pop stars and things like that. It was really the magazine for the music industry. So apparently the book is loosely based on the Fleetwood Mac era and the Fleetwood Mac phenomenon and also loosely based on the relationship between um, Lindsay Buckingham and oh, the lead singer whose name now just escapes me for some reason and it's it's just you, you go on an emotional roller coaster ride and you'll, you'll relish it. If you love music as much as you love reading, this is a gift of a book. And as I say, it's not written in prose. It's written as a transcript of an interview. And the the book cover will say everyone was there and everyone remembers it differently. So it, it tells you from everyone's point of view. It gives you everyone's perspective of an era and a time that they all lived through. And it will give you everyone's opinion and everyone's differing opinion. And it's, it's a fascinating read and it just takes you on a journey and it, it's a fabulous book. I highly recommend it. And when authors name it as their number one book of the year, then that just tells you something. I cannot, cannot recommend it enough. So that, that was my read of the holiday, Daisy Jones and the Six by Taylor Jenkins Read. It has been optioned for a TV series next year. Reese Witherspoon's company is actually producing it. So I know she absolutely loved it as well. She picked it up and said she is definitely producing this one. So watch out for that. And I think they have actually also optioned it as a soundtrack. So the music that has been they, they put the lyrics in the book and obviously there was no music. They just, that's what's so inspiring about the book and so inspired and so clever about this book is that at the back of the book there are, there's a soundtrack and lyrics which don't exist and they are going to create a soundtrack to go along with this TV series. And I cannot wait for that and I hope it lives up to all expectations. I'm not sure that, um, books and films films of books, which I'm also going to get to later because there are a lot of films coming out this year based on books, and a lot of them are classics, classic books. I'm not sure that films often live up to the hype of books, um, but I can't wait to see what they make of this coming out this year. I have a book review that was written by one of our amazing book reviewers, Sarah Cohen, and I know that we've had a lot of non-fiction books that our book reviewers have read. And this one is actually a fiction book. 
and Sarah Cohen has reviewed it for us. It's The House on the Edge of the Cliff. It's by Carol Drinkwater. And Sarah says the following about this book. Best-selling author Carol Drinkwater has written an epic story of love and betrayal from Paris in the 1960s to the present day. This story is a compelling family drama with the house on the edge of the cliff in France playing a pivotal role in the development of the story from past to present. An event from the main protagonist, Grace's past, stays with her and affects her for many years, coming back to haunt her out of the blue. The past intermingles with the present in a dangerous twist to the tale. Carol Drinkwater has written a page-turner, which keeps one on the edge of one's seat all the way through to the end. She writes eloquently so that the book is enjoyable, as a holiday read can be. Full of secrets, tense moments and emotions. I enjoyed the book as it was a quick, well-written read and a gripping story of complex characters moving across the decades. If you are looking for fiction to escape a few holiday hours, then this is the book for you. Carol Drinkwater is a master of her craft and leaves you wanting more of this genre. And remember, if you want to join our Chaifem book club, and we welcome um, anyone who'd like to join, we have all different genres of books that are going to be available, and obviously the more the merrier. We would love to hear from you. Books are available for you to read, and all we ask in return is a review, and you don't have to come on air to review the book. You don't have to be on air if, if authors are, are available to interview. You don't have to come on air to interview them. They are often available to interview, and we can pre-record interviews if you'd like to interview them. You can send in the reviews written, as some of our reviewers already do. Please get in touch with me. We would love to hear from you. Books at chaifm.com. Again, the SMS number 34519 or on Telegram 0618-951019. And again, you don't even have to be part of the book club. If you have read a book that you think everyone should know about, please just let me know. Send it in. Send me the title of the book, the name of the author, and just send it in and say, hey, I read this book, it was great, and this is what it's about, just a couple of lines, and let me know that you think people should know about it, if it's available locally, I know some books are only available as e-books, and they come out in paperback um, a while later, and just let me know if you've read a great book that you think other people should know about, and they should read, if it's a particular genre that interests you or if there's something that you have heard of and you haven't been able to find it in the shops or find it online let me know I can put the word out and maybe other people will be able to let you know where you can get hold of that book this is a great platform for you to contact other people put the word out publicize what you are looking for and you can connect with other people who have the same interests as you. We'd like to do that for you. I know there are loads of book groups, especially on Facebook. I mean, there are countless book groups on Facebook. It's impossible to keep up with the number of books, uh, book reviews and book groups that are available on Facebook. And this is just another way to connect with people who have similar interests and who enjoy books like you do. And speaking of that, next week I will have Viz with me, 
who is no stranger to um, people of the book, the people of the book show. He's from Penguin Random House. And he will be chatting to me about what books you can look forward to in the first half of this year. And I know that he's been on the show numerous times chatting about upcoming books. I know there's quite a lot to be excited about. And he will be my guest on the show next week chatting about what is coming up at the beginning of this year, what's new in books. I know there are a lot of popular authors who are bringing out books. I know some authors wait till the end of the year to bring out a book. Others wait till the beginning of the year to bring out a book. There's lots that goes on behind the scenes in marketing and lots of little tricks of the trade. Maybe he'll share some of that with us. And hopefully at the beginning of the week, I'll be able to put out some info about what he's going to let us know about next week. More after the break. I love it when you read to me. This is People of the Book with Janice Leibovitz. The holidays are almost over, and as the new academic year begins, High FM will be going back to school. We've got our books, our stationery, and our low-fat cappuccinos. Join Howard Feldman and the Morning Mayhem team as they go back to school this Tuesday from Red Hill School. Don't be late. School will be in. 6 to 9 a.m. Tuesday, 14th of January. Hashtag Schooling Howard. Hashtag School Rocks. That sounds like a lot of fun. I hope you will be listening in. They will be there, first day of school, waiting to welcome everyone at Red Hill. And if you can't be there, listen on air. It is going to be an absolute party. I don't know if school is supposed to be a party. But let's extend the holiday fun for at least the first three hours of the day on the 14th of January. That's Tuesday from 6 to 9 Tune in to Howard and the Morning Mayhem. They are going to make sure that there is a lot of fun to be had on that first morning back at school. So as I mentioned earlier, um, that whole issue of books turning into films. Um, I know it's a touchy subject for many that films just cannot portray the depth that books show and they can't portray the emotion and they can't portray the actual depth of feeling that a book can evoke in in people. Others argue that um, it's possible for a film to do even more than a book is able to because films portray it visually. They've got um, the music that they can can bring to it that, that brings a whole heap more of emotion into it. But then there's the argument that obviously a film is quite limited in time. You've got, I know films tend to be a lot longer than they used to be. A film used to be, uh, I think, a maximum, again, giving away my age. Films tended to be a maximum of about an hour and a half. I know these days they extend to two hours and longer. And now I know they have limited time and they can only portray a very limited amount of what is in a book. These days I know films tend to use a lot of poetic license and they change a lot of things. A lot of the time the actual author of a book is not involved in the creative process that goes along with filming and now a lot of authors are involved. They're involved with production. They often are associate producers. They often are associate directors 
oftentimes not. It all depends on the process. But this year, there are a lot of films being made, particularly out of classic books, I've discovered, which is quite interesting. So I'm going to now go through a list of some of the most anticipated films of 2020. They're not in any particular order, and you'll notice that when I tell you um, when they are anticipated to be coming out, I'm not sure when they're actually going to be on screen in South Africa. These are probably release dates for overseas. But these are the, the anticipated films that are coming out, being made out of books. And as I said, it's quite interesting that there are a lot of classic books this year, not um, new books. I know last year I think some of them were quite um, recent books. This year it seems to be the classics that they're making films of, or they've probably been quite a while in the process and they're coming out this year. So one of the most anticipated films is Frank Herbert's Dune. And I seem to recall this has been done quite a few times. I remember years ago there was a a TV series um, done out of this. And um, those of you who, who are into science fiction and fantasy... Um, will know it's the story of Paul Atreides and his family who live on a desert planet known as Arrakis. It's a very desolate, desolate desert and there is a shortage of, of water and there are, I don't even know how to describe it, there are these worms who, they're, they're massive, they're like monster worms and they, they carry a, an essence and they're very much in demand. And for some reason, this film is its obviously going to be quite epic and hugely anticipated. But I don't i don't know the name of the director. I don't recognize his name. His name is Denis Villeneuve. And the only name I actually recognized in the cast was that of Josh Brolin. Um, obviously, his very well-known father, James Brolin. He was the only name I recognized in the acting credits. And he was actually quite far down in acting credits. So, but as I say, hugely anticipated film and I'm expecting it to be quite an epic, um, film. So that's one to look out for. It's only expected towards the end of the year though. Probably, um, a holiday release towards December or actually even in December. So that's one to look out for, um, the end of the year. The next one is Artemis Fowl. Expected at the end of May And that's one directed by Kenneth Branagh And those who know Also Artemis Fowl Very well known And starring amongst others Dame Judi Dench And those who know will know that Artemis Fowl Is a child genius And criminal mastermind Who is always accompanied by His ever faithful guardian um, Named Butler And in this Film. This, I think there have been others, very well known, and he uncovers a technologically advanced fairy realm. That's what this one's going to be about. And the next one, interesting enough, also directed by Kenneth Branagh, he's clearly having a busy year, but this one also stars him, um, is Agatha Christie's Death on the Nile. And I think we've had a couple of Agatha Christie films in the last few years. So Death on the Nile, directed and starring Kenneth Branagh, but also starring Gal Gadot. And any mention of her, I know, gets us very excited. Death on the Nile, of course, a classic. 
um, Hercule Poirot. He's approached by a socialite while he's on holiday in Cairo. He rejects her advances. He rejects um, all her interest. But then his holiday in Cairo is quite disturbed when on his boat trip there's rumoured to be a murderer on board. So his holiday doesn't quite pan out the way he expected. And I remember my my mother always used to say things like, well, she wouldn't want to go on holiday anywhere where Hercule Poirot is because someone always lands up dead. So um, one would need to be very careful, just as someone would need to be very careful living in a small village um, where someone, you know, like midsummer murders. There's always a murder in those small villages. You wouldn't want to live there. Because for a very tiny village, a lot of people seem to land up dead. Same with, with Hercule Poirot. Someone always lands up dead, strangely. And it's never him who's murdered the person. Interesting. Um, next one. The Turn of the Screw by Henry James. But the film itself is not going to be called The Turn of the Screw. It's going to be called The Turning. And for those who don't know, this is a classic horror novella. Uh, it's about uh, the, a governess, the early 1800s. She is looking after two children and very, very creepy, very dark. And they're very dark, creepy house, um, children with, with dark secrets, lots of lurking, distant figures. And um, she is left to look after these two children. There's seemingly no one else around no other adults are are in the house she's left there to look after them and the director of this one is Floria Sigismondi and I did not recognise anyone in the cast of this one but as I say apparently there's a lot of excitement around this and this is coming out later this month so I don't know whether this is um, a Nouveau film or one of those, but also, as I say, a classic seems to be very in vogue for films being released based on books this year. One that I'm really, really looking forward to because it was one of my favorite books as a child and I still think it should be prescribed reading for any child. And I know I'm going totally against what I said earlier about prescribed reading for children because children tend to not like what is prescribed reading. The Secret Garden by Frances Hodgson Burnett. I loved this book as a child. It's one of my favorites. And it's going to be, well, it is directed by Mark Munden. It's coming out in April and it's starring, swoon, Colin Firth and Julie Walters. For those who don't know, it's about young Mary Lennox who returns to England after her parents die in India, where they are living. And when these books were written, it was very much about um, Commonwealth and a lot of expatriates living in India at the time and returning to, the, to England and, and their colony and the colonization in India. So she returns to England and she is packed off to live in her uncle's home in Yorkshire. But her uncle is a very cold person and he, he kind of dumps her in this house. And, you know, there's, there's 
a complement of staff, and she's pretty much left to her own devices with a, a whole bunch of rules. Don't go here, don't go there, don't do this, don't do that. Children should be seen and not heard. And her uncle leaves her, but then she gets the opportunity to explore. And she then discovers a secret garden, a locked garden, and her whole world opens up to her. And from being a very sad little girl, she discovers a whole new world for herself. And ultimately, it's actually a story about kindness and curiosity and about being a child and your inner child. And it's the most beautiful, beautiful story. It's a beautiful book. And I'm sure it's going to be the most beautiful film. Well, I mean, it's got Colin Firth in it. How wrong can you go? But that's just my personal opinion. Um, <laughs> one that's not a classic that is based on a best-selling book from 2018 is The Woman in the Window by A.J. Finn. And this was an outstanding book, really, a really, really good book. It's going to be directed by Joe Wright. And this was one of the only listed, the only films listed in this, this list of films that's coming out that has a, a list of, of actors in it that are all well known. Because it's starring Jennifer Jason Lee, Amy Adams, Gary Oldman, and Julianne Moore. Don't know who else, but those were the top listed actors in this film. And I'm sure they want to make this one of the, the, um, Oscar award winning films or one of the top sellers or, you know. So the woman in the window is actually about a reclusive, heavy drinker by the name of Anna Fox. She's a very, very, unreliable narrator in the book uh, as I say I don't know how how much is based on the book I'm sure they've probably kept it pretty much to the theme of the book and pretty much to the story and she she's agoraphobic she doesn't leave the house she can't she literally cannot walk out of her front door she stays in her house all the time and she spies on her neighbors and doesn't do much else except live online and drink. She orders everything online. It's delivered to her house. And she lives in her house online, drinks, spies on the neighbors, until one day she sees something absolutely life-shattering, she thinks. And it's an, it's an addictive read. It's a page-turner of a read. And I think the, the film is probably going to be quite thrilling if the book was anything to go by it's it's gripping the book was gripping it was very clever it was well written i don't think she's written anything else i think the the author was a female aj finn one's never show and they use initials it was a gripping page turner of a book as i say very cleverly written and um i'm quite looking forward to this one i generally don't really look forward to films based on books, but I am looking forward to this one because I think they've probably kept it quite close to the book as it was written. So this one should be quite good. Um, the rest that were listed, as I say, so many classics, it fascinates me. Um, Emma by Jane Austen. I mean, these are, these have mostly all been done before, as far as I know. 
Emma by Jane Austen, The Stand by Stephen King. That one should be huge. I mean, that, that one should be quite epic. Rebecca by Daphne du Maurier. That should be amazing. I remember seeing that also many years ago. I can't remember if it was a film or if it was a TV series, but I think for many, Rebecca is their quintessential Daphne, Daphne du Maurier book. For those who read classics, um, Rebecca is it also quite, it's got something dark about it, something quite creepy about it. And I think for many authors who have gone into that genre of writing dark thrillers, they've probably started off reading books like Rebecca and have entered into that realm from reading books similar to that. Also, um, H.G. Wells, The Invisible Man, they're making a film out of that. Um, H.G. Wells, obviously, War of the World. I mean, do, do I need to say more? War of the World, that, that gripped people back in the day um, who actually thought that that Earth was being attacked by aliens. It caused absolute frenzy. Um, I, I wasn't born then. I'm not that old. Um but H.G. Wells is, is an absolute master of his craft, as are all of these authors. And it's, it fascinates me. I wonder what many of them would think of their books being turned into these stories being played out on screen. I don't think, I, I'm sure they had no clue that, that this would happen ever, that their stories could be taken and played out onto screen like this and people could actually watch their stories being acted out in front of them not just on paper but on screen and it's fascinating when you think about how how far things had come and I mean when you think about I mean we sit here today and what's going to happen in 50 years time where is everything going to go from 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 there so I think it's it's actually amazing when you think of people like Jane Austen, Daphne du Maurier, and and Henry James. I mean Henry James was writing a story that was that was in the the early 1800s, and they are now able to create that. And I know it's been done before, and every few years it gets redone. And when you compare how it's done years ago to each time it's recreated and the advances and, and how it's recreated each time it's quite fascinating how it can be updated and and then you go back and read the book and you think what can they do with this so it's actually amazing and it's even the same with, with, with fantasy, I mean fantasy I mean the sky's the limit really these days and the secret garden which which was quite a, a simple, it's a simple story about a child wanting to find happiness and being unhappy and finding a garden. What they can do with that on film today, even that is incredible. And when you think of it being a simple story of a child opening a door, unlocking a door and finding a beautiful garden, it's actually incredible. So that's what we have to look forward to this year and more after the break. I love it when you read 
This is People of the Book with Janice Leibovitz. So I was talking earlier about the whole back-to-school issue and purchasing school books and the frenzy that goes along with preparing your children for school every year. And it really it, it is a frenzy. And I know that some people are more organized than others, more prepared than others. And for some, it is very daunting. For, for the kids, it's daunting. For the parents, it's daunting. Especially for those who are doing it for the first time. Grade one for the first time. High school for the first time. It, it's, you know, every year, it's a, it's a different mix of emotions and a whole different ball game, no matter how you're entering into it. And when I, I mean, I was in a, a stationery shop the other day that, that does everything. You know, they do the stationery, they do the textbooks. And the dismay on, on some parents' faces, really, at the cost of school books was, it was, it was quite upsetting, I'll be very honest. Um, I don't know, I'm not, I'm not knocking the schools, I'm not knocking any school in particular. I don't know if schools are really playing their role in keeping costs down when it comes to the purchase of textbooks and the providing of textbooks. I remember, again, probably giving away my age. Um, when I was in high school, I remember the week before school began, we used to go to the school, and the school themselves used to facilitate the purchase of textbooks. Um, I think they used to they used to contact the actual textbook um, supplier and they used to have a day where you went into the school it was before school started and all the books were there all the books for all the grades were there and you went in and you bought the books that you needed um, I'm, I'm talking brand new I'm not talking second hand it wasn't a second hand shop but you literally went in. You didn't have to order from somewhere. You didn't have to order them in September or, or October, the year before. It wasn't – and I'm sure times were different. And I know now um, things are different. You have uh, – the suppliers need to order them from overseas. And I know it's very different. And and there was – I think it incorporated a sense of excitement because the kids went with – um, we got to see our friends. It was the week before school. It was, you know, everyone had been on holiday. People generally hadn't seen each other for a few weeks. And it, it, there was a sense of excitement, you know, back to school. It was, it was, I don't know, there was something in the air. And you went in that day and you spent about, oh, probably took longer than it should have because everyone was loitering around. And you went in and you, got the books that you needed, paid for them, the supplier was there for the morning, the day, whatever it was. You went in and you got your books. And these days things seem a bit I, – I know that, that a lot of schools do facilitate. They send out the list. They give you the name of the supplier that they think should be the best person to go to. They give you the, the list of prices and they tell you when to order by. I know. But still – Going into the store, seeing the look of actual shock and, and parents who, who are, are finding it very difficult to, to pay these costs, it's, it's, it's very upsetting. That said, kids need to be prepared to go to school and they need the books and 
off they go. Once again, like I said earlier, by their very nature, prescribed reading and prescribed books are generally disliked. What do we do about that? Um, one wonders, I know that, that different schools prescribe different books. And I was going through, I was ordering books. I was going through looking um, at one particular supplier the other week. And I was fascinated by the prescribed um, set works that were on this list. And granted, I don't know which schools prescribe these set works. I don't know what grades they are prescribed for. But it ran the gamut of of every book you can imagine, from the classics, from the old stalwarts to new and very interesting and quite funky titles. So there was, you know, the old classics, Lord of the Flies and Animal Farm, which I have to say my kids just hated, and um, The Great Gatsby, again, hated it. Um, even the film, even with Leonardo DiCaprio, still hated it. Um, and they had books like Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone. Who's prescribing that? I found that quite interesting. Divergent, uh, The Kite Runner. I am Malala. I, f- I thought that was a brilliant, uh, brilliant book to prescribe for, for books. There's, there's, you know, Of Mice and Men, um, The Power of One, Rice Courtney, Percy Jackson, The Lightning Thief, um, Private Peaceful, Q&A, which was such a brilliant book. I, I just, I see books here and I think, wow, you know, those are books that would really, really hold a learner's interest. They're, they're really exciting books and they're really good books. Of course, you have to um, have the right teachers and they've got to be taught in the correct way. But there are some really exciting books on these lists. Um, I know that as as the learners get older... Um, they don't sit and read them in class. They don't read them together. They, they don't, they're not given much excitement in the way they read. The Handmaid's Tale, I'm not, I'm not sure about that one. Really not. The Language of Flowers, I mean, that is such a beautiful book. Um, I'm not sure how it's, how it's taught. I'm not sure how they're examined on books like this. Um, if, if there's a teacher out there who, who'd like to give me some feedback, I'm very interested to know, um, where these books are being prescribed. If anyone knows, I'd love to hear from you about this because there are some amazing books on this, on this list. I mean, holes. I mean, that, that has been prescribed by, by schools for years and years and years. And the wave. I mean, I think the wave I did at school. And I understand, I know that the theme will always be relevant, but there are so many newer books where there are similar themes. And surely we've moved on. And I'm sorry, maybe I'm being, maybe I'm causing some kind of confrontational conflict here and rocking the boat, rocking a boat that I shouldn't be rocking. But... I just think that, that there are a lot of um, newer books, a lot of more relevant books to our society and our particular society that that need to be prescribed and, and that our learners 
in, in our schools should be reading. And I'm not talking about um, particularly our community. I'm talking about South African society as a whole. Um, I'm, I'm talking about that. Um, touching briefly on the topic of Shakespeare. And I know my, my kids in particular have an absolute aversion to the word Shakespeare, never mind the actual books. And we'll chat about that after the break. I love it when you read to me. This is People of the Book with Janice Leibovitz. Talking about set works, um, and thank you, David, for your message, and I will reply to that off air. Um, Shakespeare, and as I said, my, I know my kids and, and many others have an aversion to the actual word, um, never mind the actual books and, and plays and, and themes of Shakespeare. But I've tried to explain, I, I, I don't know, I know the schools still recommend Shakespeare, they are still set works, they probably always will be, and I, I do believe they should be. They should still be set works. The themes are always going to be relevant. Shakespeare themes are always going to be relevant. The thing with Shakespeare is Shakespeare needs to be acted out rather than just taught. It's very dry when it's just taught. Shakespeare needs to be acted. And when you act out Shakespeare, then you understand it. When it's actually acted out and when the learners themselves are able to act it out, then they actually get to live the theme and they get to live the play. And then they will understand what they are supposed to be learning. When they live it, when they act it, then they are able to believe it. The themes of Shakespeare will always be relevant. Yes, I understand that the language is quite daunting, and I find that that is what is the most off-putting thing for our learners, the the and the thou and the, all of that. And I think that's what they they tend to, to mock the most, and that's what they battle with the most, and I do get that. Um, but I think it's the way that it's being taught. And I think we do have, um, there are some, acting groups and there are theater groups that go around Shakespeare groups that travel around and and there's always Shakespeare theater that is being performed and I think that we probably need more groups like that who are traveling around and doing Shakespeare Dorothy Ann Gould just by the way is doing some fabulous work with a group of homeless people who live in Hillbrow and she is teaching them Shakespeare, and she is a lifeline to them. So our learners who have the privilege of being in school and getting an education um, need to understand the privilege that they have. If Dorothy Ann Gould can teach Shakespeare to a bunch of homeless men and be a lifeline to them through Shakespeare, then I, I know that our learners, you know, generally when you're at school, you don't really appreciate the privilege you have. A lot, a lot of, of us just don't. But Shakespeare is the themes, love, power, royalty. Um, that's a whole different subject at the moment, isn't it? Um, that's, that's always going to be relevant. 
And our learners need to understand through performance how that's relevant to them. And if they're able to perform it and feel it, they will get more of an understanding of the themes and how those themes are relevant to them and their lives and where they fit into society. And I think that that's where Shakespeare and how it's being taught is failing them possibly and why they dislike it so much. And if they maybe get together in their own little groups and and try and teach it to each other, and even if they make it fun or even if they, they do it for fun and laugh at each other while they do it, make it into into a fun exercise. It's, it is possible. So if you have kids who are hating Shakespeare, hating the way they are having to learn their, their set works, Maybe encourage them to do that. Just a suggestion from me. Take it, leave it. Just my two cents worth. Um, I have to wrap it up here. As I said, next week we will have Viz from Penguin Random House on the show, letting us know what to look forward to um, in the first half of this year in books. And it's been great to be back. Have a great week. Enjoy your reading.